Welcome to episode 7 of Calling All Stations. We've got a mixed bag for you in this episode. I've done an interview on Growth Track 360 and you'll find out what that's all about. It's investment in a part of the country that we don't often hear about. And unusually, I'm giving two cheers to a government announcement. But I'm starting off with a bit of feedback. Older listeners will remember that a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned a column by Chris Stokes on the Cogitimus website, which was critical of the £50 million allocated by the government for improvements to the rail system in Cornwall, notably a Cornish metro. Chris thought this was a waste of money because of very low usage and the fact that many journeys would still be quicker by bus. Well, Mark Hopwood, the Managing Director of Great Western Trains, took exception to this, arguing that this was a great investment, a great scheme and an opportunity for Cornwall. So I thought it would be great to have him on the programme to answer the criticisms and I'm very pleased to welcome him today. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Mark, for uh, coming on the podcast. Um, just tell me a bit about uh, what uh, the Cornish uh, Metro is about and uh, you know why you think it's such a good idea. Yeah, well, first of all, it's great to be uh, on the podcast, Christian, and great to see the podcast doing well. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here because uh, obviously I heard what, what you had to say and what Chris Stokes had to say about the project. And uh, actually, I'm a great believer in this project. I mean, it, it's come from the people of Cornwall. It's an example, I think, of uh, what happens when you devolve uh, government locally and the initiative that they've had is to try and get more people uh, using the railway in Cornwall. So we're going to see some infrastructure investment on the Newquay line itself. The Newquay line is a branch line that leaves the main line in Cornwall at part and heads up through some great scenery but to what is one of the largest centres of population in uh, Cornwall. I mean there's actually more people living in Newquay than there are in, in Truro which is the county uh, town and uh, Newquay is quite, quite a large place by Cornish standards, 47,000 people but of course very uh, much a, a holiday uh, visitor attraction as well. So by putting in a passing loop and an extra platform at uh, Newquay that's going to allow us to run an hourly service all day. It also allows us to run the summer uh, enhanced service with through trains to London and cross country running through trains from the north of England at the same time that we're running the uh, branch service. So that passing loop at Trigos Moor as well as some upgrades to the level crossings and a new signalling panel going in initially at Goombarrow um, as well as some other improvements like accessible uh, facilities at par so there'll be a lift uh, and lift bridge going in at par on the main line and extended platforms at Falmouth so we can run uh, slightly longer uh, trains. So um, that's coming through levelling up funding which I think is great to see. Cornwall doesn't always get the recognition it needs that it is an area that, that needs that uh, support and yes we will be running through trains from Newquay to Par, Truro and Falmouth but, but it's actually some of the links intermediately like St Hostel uh, to Falmouth for example that's very important and the I, university... I, I, think, I think Chris was arguing that it's faster to do this by bus than uh, by uh, train and that you know it, it, there's no point running a, a train service that uh, he says you know takes uh, 48 minutes to run 19 miles between Newquay and Palm. 
Yeah, well, uh, the road network between Parr and Newquay is certainly not any any faster. You can uh, run from St Hostel to Newquay in about the same time as the train takes, actually, but uh, you don't have uh, the ability to carry as large numbers of people uh, on a bus. We're carrying over 300 people on some of our London trains in the summer. And I was also going to talk about the university in Falmouth, which has over 5,000 students uh, but doesn't have the ability for them all to live uh, on campus so bringing people into the university in quite large numbers uh, is quite important and we also get better frequency uh, on the main line and what we've seen in the last few years is every time we invest in the railway in Cornwall we get significant increases in uh, patronage so uh, uh, well, we've seen, for example, the uh, Falmouth line over the last decade has, has grown by, by, by huge amounts. It's well over 100% of its original uh, passenger numbers. And uh, the benefits of the December uh, 19 uh, timetable with the um, doubling of the, of the train service have been quite significant. The Newquay branch itself has seen 78 percent increase in patronage since we added the extra service in the morning so there are some examples of that of that uh, usage increasing quite substantially well i mean uh you know 50 million pounds uh for really railways which are never going to attract kind of you know the, the sort of thousands of people you might get in sort of busy areas is, is that is that really justifiable is rail really the the, the answer well, I, of course, we're not asking or getting anywhere near the investment that, that busy uh, cities are getting. £50 million pounds may sound a lot of money to many people, but compared to the type of investment that you're seeing in London or on HS2 or, you know, uh, the huge amounts of money going into the railway uh, investment programme in the north of England, £50, pounds is, £50 million pounds is a very small amount of money. So uh, I think... You know, it delivers those benefits on the Newquay line. It improves connectivity to the east, to Plymouth, to Exeter, to London, as well as offering those benefits uh, within Cornwall. And you know, we've seen from Cornwall an integrated transport approach. You know, they're not obsessed with rail. They've been investing in the bus network as well. They've got a new brand, Transport uh, for Cornwall, and the bus network is working better than it's ever worked in the past. And Buses are the answer for quite a lot of flows in Cornwall, we don't deny that. But I think in this case, the rail network can help, it can support moving quite large numbers of people about. It's getting the investment that people locally have decided. And, you know, this isn't something that we've decided to do and impose on Cornwall. They've developed this scheme themselves. Uh, we believe in devolution. We've seen devolved local authorities developing projects like this and they've bid for the money and they've passed the tests that have been set by central government so uh, I'm not sure that we should criticise local authorities that are doing what they were asked to do which is to improve local transport and bid for funds and develop strong business cases and um, you know Chris Stokes has his views. Uh, I first met Chris when he was complaining about the investment that Chris Green had made at Aylesbury Station back in 1993. So he's obviously continuing uh, a theme, but uh, this is a local scheme that de delivers real 
benefits locally and yeah Cornwall is never going to have the type of investment that places like London or Birmingham or Manchester are going to get uh, but, but this is an appropriate investment. I think it's relatively modest by railway standards, uh, but it means a lot to people in Cornwall. Do you think you'll manage to uh, stick to the 50 million uh, budget or uh, will it kind of overrun like lots of other schemes? And, and when will we see the benefits of this or when will the Cornwall visitors see the benefits of this? Well, we're hoping to deliver over the course of the next two years. And actually, you know, our colleagues in Network Rail are the same colleagues who delivered the Oakhampton project. And that under actually budget, delivered budget. under budget, Christian. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't think they're promising to deliver this under budget, but it does show that they're a good, capable team. And that's their track record. And uh, you think you've managed to achieve the scheme within a couple of years? Yeah, I think so. I mean, our, our one of our challenges will be to get hold of some rolling stock that's appropriate for the train uh, route. We need some DMUs, so uh, we'll be having a look as the best way of providing those. But I think we'll we'll meet that challenge and uh, we'll get the service up and running. Oh, well, uh, thank you. I'm much more sold on the idea, uh, Mark, uh, than uh, when I had a discussion with Chris Stokes about it. And uh, I think you've... Uh, given a very good argument in favour. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you for coming on the, the podcast. And um, you've promised me a, a cab ride uh, out of uh, uh, Paddington to see all the developments there. Uh, and I hope that we can do that soon. Yeah, absolutely. We couldn't possibly allow John Smith to uh, be the only person who gives you a cab ride, Christian. So we'd be delighted to take you out of Paddington. Of course, there's a lot going on. We've got the uh, Elizabeth Line, our colleagues, up and running there. We've got the HS2 construction at Old Oak Common for the new station. Uh, there's a load of other developments in London. We've got the heaviest freight flow in the country from the Mendips up to uh, London and the South East. And of course, our, our own Great Western trains um, with some interesting things like switching from electric traction to diesel traction on the move. So I think there's plenty to entertain you and we look forward to seeing you on uh, a future podcast. Uh, thank you very much, Mark. That's great. I'm at uh, the parliamentary reception for Growth Track 360. Now, that's a rather bizarre name for what is actually a very important organisation in a little lost corner of uh, the UK, um, encompassing places like South West Merseyside, bits of North Wales, Cheshire and D-side and essentially it's a pressure group to try to get more investment into an area that has a lot of manufacturing, uh, a lot of tourism but is very car dependent not least because uh, what railways there are in the area are greatly underinvested in and uh, need uh, a considerable amount of money and so uh, essentially the people that get around by cars um, the amount of CO2 emitted in transport in the area has remained the same for the last 15 years because there's no, been no central improvement in uh, the transport situation, so about 3 million tonnes. And one of the aims of Growth Track 360 is to get a net zero uh, transport uh, situation whereby uh, there are actually uh, no uh, uh, essentially net emissions. Um, 
rail is at the heart of this, and uh, one of the big asks is a set of uh, rail investments which would absolutely transform services in the area. So um, in the uh, north part, there's the North Wales line, which if people travel on that, they'll know it's often very crowded, it's quite slow, it's a very scenic journey, but uh, it really needs actually major investment and an improvement in the trains on offer. At the heart of the area as well, there's Chester Station, and uh, I've been there uh, about a year ago to, to look at the situation. It's a very complex layout. The trains have to uh, stop and then reverse in some cases, um, and essentially it needs a complete uh, revamp uh, to enable uh, the connection, because it's the main connection into uh, North Wales, the main connections into North Wales from Chester to be greatly improved. And then the third ask is this uh, line called Wrexham to Bidston, which only survived the beaching cuts because uh, there was quite a lot of industry which uh, used the line. In fact, Bidston is sort of somewhere uh, near uh, Birkenhead on the wrong side of the Mersey. And really, they should be batting for a uh, Wrexham to Liverpool line because that would uh, attract more attention. And indeed, uh, the line is to be uh, electrified, but not all the way. And that would require the use of, of battery trains that would be able to do uh, the part that isn't electrified and to reverse. And that's something that, uh, again, has been uh, pushed for. They really want the line, which currently has one train an hour, and possibly it's going up to two, but to become four trains an hour and really become an important part of an area that has an amazing amount of jobs and could have commuting in both directions because there are a lot of jobs in Deeside, uh, but of course also there's a lot of jobs in Liverpool. So a good train service between the two uh, would ensure uh, that wonder of wonders of uh, commuting in both directions. And a fourth uh, ask is for a new station next to Deeside Industrial Park. Uh, at the moment, the Wrexham Bidston Line has several stations that really serve villages, um, and maybe some of those actually ought to be closed in favour of kind of uh, stations that are uh, more crucial uh, to commuting. Uh, but uh, this, of course, is a, a subject of uh, uh, great uh, controversy. So overall, this is a lost bit of, as I say, the UK that absolutely requires a lot of investment, but uh, has really missed out because it's split between so many different local councils and authorities, and indeed split between two different countries. So joining me now is uh, Stephen Jones, who's the uh, secretary of the Growth 360 uh, project. Stephen, just tell me, what's it all about? You know, how, how are you going to achieve your aims? Well, I think the basic problem is that um, we don't have a functioning public transport system in North East Wales and Cheshire. And we need to give people a choice where they can travel to work on public transport. Rail has got to be the foundation of that. And uh, we've been looking for investment to enhance the rail infrastructure so we can run more services 
um, between North Wales, Chester, and then going to places that people want to go, places like Liverpool, Manchester, and London. Um, rail schemes are expensive. Um, they need now to be connected to bus and active travel uh, to give that rail alternative. And we are working very closely with Transport for Wales and the Welsh Government uh, to design schemes that can be progressed on an incremental basis that fit with the current philosophy of the Department for Transport. But however we do it, we always come up with quite a large number. And um, our real challenge is how do we get capital funding to implement uh, these business schemes. And we are concerned now that the Welsh Government, Transport for Wales and to a lesser degree Network Rail and the Department for Transport are investing in development for which there's no capital available. So how do you uh, push your programmes? Because you've been around for quite a long time, six or seven years, haven't you? Kind of, um, and have you managed to get any funding so far? Or do you see something on the horizon that you might kind of count as a victory? I think we have made progress. Um, we have had some big wins through the Wales and Borders franchise, which is funded largely by the Welsh Government with DFT grant. We gained additional services to Manchester. We will have in the December timetable new train services from North Wales into Liverpool Lime Street via the Halton Curve. Um, and we have entered the, the DFT system where we have got some development money for, money for work on the North West Coast mainline that supplement, supplements what the Welsh Government is doing. So that's taken us a long way forward uh, from where we were five years ago um, when the rolling stock was ancient, the services were fairly minimal. We're having new rolling stock coming in. We're getting new services, which will include two trains per hour on the Rex and Bidston line with new rolling stock instead of one train per hour. Um, and we are coming up with investable proposals that can be phased. Um, so what we've done has got us to the starting gate for capital money. And in the next year or two, is there one scheme that you might think is the most important that you'd like to see get done? Uh, that, that's a difficult question for me, looking at the, the nature of the programme, because they, all these investments actually add up into a single network solution that yeah. takes people from North Wales by Chester to Crewe, which will get them to HS2, improve communication with Manchester Airport and things like that. Um, I suppose if we have a choice, it's probably between trying to make the Borderlands line between Wrexham and Liverpool work as a, a revolutionary new service battery operated trains from one train per hour now to four trains per hour um, in five years, say, um, versus potentially investment in um, Chester Station. There are provisional figures for Chester Station around 160 million for a capital scheme. Um, with the Borderlands line, you'd be looking at 200 million for all the, the line upgrades, closing level crossings and things like that. So, so they're both quite big? They're both quite big. They would need to be phased, yes. Okay, well, good luck with that. And, uh, you know, having visited the area myself, I can see the need and uh, I think it would be a very deserving cause. So thank great. you, Stephen. You're right, it would serve the economy enormously. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
And now for the two cheers for a government scheme. That's the £200 million fund allocated to Active Travel England. Now, I've been worried about the future of Active Travel England. It is a great initiative. It's exactly what we need, is funding of various schemes around the country, essentially for sustainable transport, making people, uh, helping to pe people to cycle and walk more. Um, and uh, it was very much a Boris Johnson idea, uh, backed by his transport person then, uh, Andrew Gilligan. Um, and I was really concerned that it would not survive uh, first Liz Trust, and then, uh, uh, who didn't have time to do anything like that, and then uh, Richie Sunak, who frankly has expressed absolutely no interest in anything like that. Unlike uh, one might be critical of Boris Johnson, but he certainly was keen about cycling. So uh, it is very good news that uh, Jeremy Hunt did not scrap uh, the scheme and that now there is another uh, funding allocation. And the money is supposed to go for paths in rural areas, developing safe routes uh, for children to get to school, improved safety junction, uh, all that sort of uh, thing that, you know, those of us who uh, cover transport know that are the kind of essential ways of making cities more habitable. Um, the problem I have with it is that this is really not the right way to uh, go about a scheme like this. It should be a national scheme, but it should very much be delivered by local authorities making decisions themselves on what they want to uh, spend the money on. And the local authorities should have uh, enough money in their normal budgets to pay for this sort of thing. It shouldn't be kind of some uh, special add-on. It should be a fundamental part of what uh, local authorities do. But uh, under the current system, and this applies to a lot of other kind of schemes, they have to bid for uh, a certain amount of money, um, and then, of course, it might not be the right amount of money at the end. So you might end up with schemes that are half done and uh, not not kind of uh, uh, finished properly and so on. And overall, it's just uh, yet another way of creating a, a bureaucracy for a political end that really government should be able to uh, push forward quickly, both at the local and uh, national level and not with uh, having to go through all these bureaucratic uh, hoops. And, you know, essentially it should be built in to uh, local authority provision uh, generally. But that said, um, you know, this is uh, good news. It's good news that uh, the scheme is continuing. It's good news that it's uh, getting uh, more money. Um, the press release kind of uh, highlights existing successful schemes. It's apparently a new cycle lane built in Coventry, which generated 10,000 trips in its first month. And, you know, that could be repeated across the country. And we, we know what those uh, schemes should be, but yet uh, they get stuck in all sorts of uh, bureaucratic logjams. But anyway, so two cheers for that. And uh, as my uh, thought from the departure lounge, um, I'm afraid it's Wales that kind of gets uh, the plaudits again, uh, because 
they've just uh, published their response to a Rhodes review. And this Rhodes review was uh, in relation to the fact that essentially they looked at their Rhodes programme two or three years ago and thought, do we really want all these roads? Is this the right way to go about it? Crucially, they scrapped the uh, uh, widening of the M4 between uh, Newport and, and uh, Cardiff, and that was uh, really a, a, a very, uh, I think, brave decision because there was a lot of pressure to do it. But instead, they, they commissioned a study into what alternatives there could be done, and then nationally, they've looked at all their road schemes. And essentially, the result of this is that most of their road schemes, particularly the major ones, notably, for example, having another bridge, uh, Menai, over the Menai Straits, um, all sorts of uh, other quite major schemes will not pass their new test. And their new test is essentially that this should be form of, uh, that, it, that any road scheme should be part of uh, the move towards net zero, move towards uh, sustainable uh, transport. Now, there might be a case for certain kind of road improvements within that framework, but it's quite difficult to uh, find them. And certainly the response to this certainly has been covered uh, as uh, the Welsh government essentially abandoning most of its road schemes. And so uh, definitely... Wales, again, once again, kind of seems to be ahead of the rest of the UK uh, in its uh, transport thinking. So the best of luck to uh, them in finding alternatives to road. So that's it for uh, this episode. We certainly will be back uh, next week. And uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to this and will listen to uh, future episodes. Of course, all the existing episodes are available on uh, wherever you, whatever platform you're listening to this. Calling All Stations is a Kogitamus uh, production. <laughs>